Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy, Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. Hope everybody's doing okay out there. Yeah, hope everyone is doing well on this. Uh, we're recording on the, the end of the MLK weekend here, so hopefully everyone's had a good weekend. Um, looking forward to talking to you. As always, we're brought to you by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. So grateful to Brian and Colby and the team there at Mossy Creek. I know Colby was out fishing this weekend, Rob. Um, I, I got to find a way to get out there sooner or later here. But uh, yeah. yeah, kind of um, been an extended season. I mean, that's how they were even posting bass pictures. Um, yeah. Kind of unusual this time of year, but the big bass yeah. got to eat, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so go by the shop there in Harrisonburg anytime. Any needs that you have coming up. Uh, it's January now, but before you know it, it'll be March, April, and you'll be wanting to get out there when we get those 60-degree days and stuff. Uh, you can pick Non-fishermen up anything. too. They got great – if you're into the outdoors, they got yeah. great deals on on clothes. Oh, yeah. You know, they that's where you can get some of the, the best prices on Patagonia stuff that doesn't often go on sale, but they can get it. And uh, I've got a bunch of Howler Brothers shirts from there as well. So Yeah. They also – if I was thinking about this I with Brian. They're also like weirdly sponsors for – bigger products like some of those pop-up campers that go in yeah. the back of the big trucks yep. and stuff and like and Traeger like grills yeah. yeah so all kinds of things if you're looking for you know really top-notch Enforced. stuff yeah. good place to go check out so yeah please go check out our friends at Mossy Creek and tell them we this podcast sent you so we'll work on um, something on the sticker front or whatever here in the next month or so. So we'll see what happens. Um, tonight we're going to cover, we actually, there's a surprising bit of football news, Rob, mm-hmm. mostly not about the JMU, current JMU team, um, but a surprising bit of football news, which is fun to have to talk about in January. And then we'll kind of reset everything on hoops after a, I don't know, an, an opening weekend of CAA play at last. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's all we can say. Um, but we really wanted to start with football. And obviously, I, I think the first one that's really exciting was Aaron Stinney, um, you know, fantastic offensive lineman from JMU uh, on the 2016 championship team. Just really good guy uh, from Charlottesville. I saw him getting some shout out from all of the long, the Howie, Chris Long crew, um, same high school, I think, as the long, younger Longs. You're a stab? You're a- yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Um, Aaron Stenny started his first NFL game in the playoff game last night in New Orleans for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He appeared, from what I could tell, to play pretty excellently. Um, he got a real shout out from Coach Arians after the game. And just in general, Brady just had all day, most of the day to throw. I mean, Clean really jersey at the end of the game. You know, they yeah. did its job. Yeah. Um, and I know there was one sack early on and I like rewatched the play just to, and it definitely was from the other side. I was like, yeah. So it, um, Stinney playing with two other Dukes uh, behind him on the Tampa Bay offensive line right now, Rob. Yeah. So yeah, really cool stuff. Uh, Dean Marlowe on the Bills also advancing to the AFC championship. So there is absolutely the possibility of a JMU versus JMU Super Bowl matchup. Um, with all of those guys that those are both really exciting and just I, you know I think like everybody we're probably rooting for the bills at this point right Rob yeah I, I'm you know. like I'm a bills fan fan like they just seem like the greatest people I know everybody yeah. talks about the bills mafia and you know all the the mm-hmm. crazy fun they have and that's that's certainly true um but again did you see they were donating to the Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson's favorite charity like I, I love that this is their thing Yes, they, they kind of like, you know, it's it's like instead of you know burning the village, they they you know, <laughs> conquer and then seed good deeds and stuff like yeah. that. It's just so they cool. certainly like, redirect their energy into yeah. positive things. And yeah, of so course, it cool. makes me happy, Rob, because it makes me think about Joe. Yeah, um, yeah, right. And we had talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But um, one of our friends that was a Bill's big Bills Mafia fit, uh, supporter would have loved this. <laughs> Absolutely. It would have been leading the charge for these donations and charity. It's it's really cool. Like I'm, I'm very excited for their fan base. It's always fun for me to see a team advance when they've, they've had a historical heartbreak, you know, believe it or not, there was a time when Red Sox fans were kind of endearing. Right. Right. Um, Right. I was ecstatic for them. Uh, I was very happy for Cubs fans, you know, White Sox fans before that. It's really, really fun. But Buffalo fans, I mean, when you think about, 
they had that four year run. There's might be the hardest of all. Yeah, yeah. might be the hardest of all because that team was so good. Four yeah. straight Super Bowls, four losses, um, each one painful in its own right. But like to have such an amazing run, it's like a pseudo dynasty, but they never got over the hump. Uh, it's just it's painful. And then they were terrible for a while after that. And a lot of people were critical of the Josh Allen pick. And mm-hmm. it's been fun to see him develop. It's just it's a really, really fun team to watch mm-hmm. and just an easy fan base to feel happy for. Yeah, uh, completely. And yeah, you and I, Rob, both, uh, you know, we don't share our allegiances in every sport, but I was talking with some friends this weekend about the Buffalo thing. And it it had to be like, you know, as Caps fans, mm-hmm. if they them winning a couple years ago has changed our entire outlook of the whole OV Backstrom era. Right. But to win all those, you know, to be the best team every year in year out and go out early in the playoffs or not be able to win the whole thing would have just felt, I I don't know. That's just brutal. So it's just, just, it's such a defeating feeling. So, yeah. um, So we could have the bills versus the bucks in the super bowl, which could put as many as four JMU Dukes on the field. Um, which brings us to that other, I thought it was so much fun. A lot of people, JMU people have been enjoying. Uh, there's been, you know, somebody did a analysis of which schools put the most, have the most players uh, in the championship round in this, in this next, in the last four. And JMU is, I don't know whether they're like sixth or seventh on the list, but tied with Alabama and Clemson <laughs> with yeah. four players each in the, and actually we were trying to debate it's arguable that JMU has five players. Um, I think the stat was active roster, which means that Raven Green does not count, but Earl Watford does count, who yeah. just got pulled up from the Bucks practice squad to join Wells and Stinney. So, yeah, um, that's pretty fun. And there was no other school. I don't know. You, you saw the list, Rob. There wasn't anybody else. I, th- I think Central Florida was like the close. And obviously we know what they've been the last 10 years, but the other schools were the ones you expect them to be. <laughs> I mean, there was no other like sort of off the radar school. This was the only one that had that kind of numbers. No. And it also was just like, I mean, Jamie's kind of blessed in this regard because that's, that constitutes what, like 80% of the Jamie guys on NFL rosters. Yeah. yeah. If you have playing. Jamie guys on your roster, you'll probably yeah. be in the AFC. Yeah, I mean, so that's right? way to look at it. Whereas like Bama is probably going to be, the yeah. most represented school. So it figures that. So it was funny. It's something you can certainly be proud of, but it's also a little bit cherry picked. Um, yeah. We just breed winners. Yeah. <laughs> Secret ingredient, um, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, really good luck to those guys this weekend. It's going to be fun to follow, follow along um, with all of those guys. So we get some better this, games. Yeah. This was a little bit of a letdown. And last weekend was really fun with all the games, even though they weren't that great. I think it was just, just the triple that, header. The novelty yeah. The triple header nature made it really fun. And this weekend was a little bit of a letdown. Um, yeah. I actually it just was a letdown. Yeah. yeah so really, poor breeze just looks. Yeah. That was kind of a sad way to end for sure. It wasn't, it wasn't fun, um, but I expect that game, I, you know, high hopes for next week's game. Right. I mean, we did end up with the one and two seed, in both, well, no, the Tampa's not the two seed, but let's be honest, right? But they're I playing mean, as good. Tampa's as good, right? Yeah. yeah, they're good. I mean, we certainly have very high quality matchups next weekend, so hopeful for some good games in the championship games. Um, a couple other coaching news, Rob. So you brought up Brandon Staley a few weeks ago, yeah, um, and this rise, and sure enough, he is the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I, you know. I didn't see that coming, had not paid attention, had not followed it. But the guy who was here the first year of Withers yep, uh, for one brief moment. And, you know, then was don't get wrong. to get out of town as a defensive yeah. guy. You realize, yeah. let's get out of here and reset. Uh, well, but I've been following players, that for a while. right? Yeah. I was thinking about Hawkins. I mean, we've seen some of his players that went on to coach who have talked about him a lot. So, yeah. Oh, everybody says he knew what he was doing. It was just mm-hmm. a weird set of circumstances. Um, whatever struggles the defense had, I haven't heard anybody connect with the program, put them on him. It wasn't, nobody's being like, oh, how did this happen? You know, this guy was bumped. They're going, yeah, that makes sense. That mm-hmm. guy, the guy was really smart. Um, you know, had come from John Carroll. I think he played quarterback at Dayton. And then okay. coached the D3 level that John Carroll came. I guess he had some sort of connection in Ohio with, with Withers and the staff. And 
then came over, got back to John Carroll, and then really has just been on a you know a rocket ship since then. So I've actually been following this all season. Um, I started to hear his name mentioned as one of the up and coming you know coordinators who will be looked at at the end of the year heading mm-hmm. into the to the regular season. So I've been following it all year. So this was not a surprise for people that are paying attention. Um, you know, he, he was right up there with, you know, the guy from Buffalo, uh, name escapes me and the enemy, you know, they, yeah. the names of the coordinators who are going to be the ones that are going to get the jobs, but he landed in a pretty good situation. You know, at least you go someplace where you got a quarterback. Yeah. I was going to say, that's not a bad start. No. For sure. Um, no. So yeah, that, that's exciting. I'm really happy for him. It's a very loose connection to Jamie, but a connection nonetheless. For sure. And uh, yeah, and and it's funny with him coming through that D3 ranks. You mentioned John Carroll, who's kind of one of the, uh, I don't know, they're like, you know, I mean, we Mount Union and Wisconsin Whitewater have been the two powers, but I think John Carroll's been like the Carroll's third right team. There, yeah. yeah, in that group for a long time. Um, London Fletcher's alma mater. <laughs> uh, but, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. But um. I have a friend from law school who went there, who went to John Carroll. So he always talked about it, but yeah, it, um, another D three awesome piece of JMU news. Uh, a lot of you probably remember Scott Lem. He was the center on the 08 JMU team. He won the Remington award as the nation's top center, um, was the first team all American at JMU on that, the Rodney team that Rob and I love so much. And just, I can tell you that in my household, he's also just a popular, um, friendly figure. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, and he got the head coach job at Bridgewater down the street from JMU. So another team that's been on the rise, their longtime coach retired uh, after the great year. You know, they had that great year two years ago before COVID yeah. and everything. And, um, but find their longtime coach retired and Scotty, who's been the, he's been like the offensive coordinator there, uh, became the head coach there. And, I don't know. I mean, seems like a great opportunity. And yeah. certainly a guy who, you know, knows his way around Virginia. Uh, you know, I, I kind of, I mean, I, I don't know. It's cool. I like, you know, we hear it from Kurt Dudley and others in the Valley. Like it's cool to just kind of follow along with Bridgewater success. Uh, you know, there's nothing, no conflict of interest really for JMU. Yeah. No. And, and a head coaching position at any level uh, is a big deal. You know, it's only a big deal. Many, yeah. That's a real great for a guy, you know, he's younger than we are. Like, uh, yeah. Really I mean, you, can, you can have a great yeah. career like that, or it can be a stepping stone to something else. You know, you go from that, prove yourself, and then prove that you can run a program and recruit. And next thing you know, you're, you know, on a coaching staff at JMU yeah. or Virginia Tech or, you know, sure. so there's opportunities. Or you just, you know, like Signetti's father, you just build yeah. yourself a heck of a career and a, a life and, and go for it um, at that level. So that's awesome. Yeah. It's really exciting for him. But big congrats to Scotty and Best of luck to Bridgewater in the coming days. And then last thing on football, Rob, um, 33 days to kick off. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. maybe It's so weird. Uh, I listened finally for the first time in a while. I listened to the Hero Sports show mm-hmm. a little bit uh, in the last week or so. And just it is. It's, it's hard to get our heads around the fact it's only a couple of weeks until, I mean, practices going to be running this week i think <laughs> so, has anybody not made an announcement like i know the patriot league was holding out but have they officially announced that they're playing i think that there were some at least on the hero uh podcast they talked about the patriot league announcing they were going to play okay because i didn't, mean that, that, that didn't mean that an individual school might not make a different decision but they were saying that it was a real positive that there had been a lot of concern about the patriot league yeah but that at least in the last couple of weeks since the new year it's there was no indication that they were doing anything other than preparing to play. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm well, sure my cousin cool. said last Friday that they got official word that Holy Cross is having a season. Her, my mm-hmm. cousin's son mm-hmm. is a freshman there. He's yeah. on scholarship there. and So they were very excited. So I didn't yeah, know if that was just Holy Cross or the league had said. No, we heard uh, Indiana State dropped out of the Valley. So, you know, Towson has dropped out of the CAA for the spring. But as we have stated before, they're – are all kinds of reasons <laughs> that you could be really cynical about it if you want to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, what you can also just say there's some financial realities that some of these schools and States may not, you know, may not have the choices they think they do. So who well, knows? The, the weird one was Montana, Montana state mm-hmm. um, from the big sky saying they were removing themselves from 
conference consideration in the playoffs, but they're going to do a modified schedule, which is oh, two games. Is, yeah. yeah, and it's a, another Big Sky team. Somebody will, will correct me, but yeah. So well, it's happens. really hard for the Sacramento State. I think the California schools it's and UC Davis, it's really hard because they're – I mean, we saw what happened with their FBS teams this fall – the state rules about allow like they're just not allowed to play. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I assume that some of those West Coast schools were going to. There could be more announcements, uh, but I did see that the NCAA waived the requirement that fifty percent of the teams play in order to have playoffs. So it does. I mean, not that we want to have playoffs if there's only thirty teams <laughs> playing, right? But at the same time, you know. It seems like they're preparing for the fact that there's going to they'd like to have some kind of a postseason tournament. Um, well, it's interesting because Montana, you know, historically is a pretty renowned program. They haven't been mm-hmm. too great the last couple of years, but um, I don't know if you remember Todd when they made it to the championship. Heck, it might even been like a decade ago. Their AD wrote an open letter talking about how the FCS model was kind of not working financially and how they had lost more money advancing to the final than they had in previous years. And I almost wonder if that had something to do with it. Like if you can't count on a gate, cause they get pretty significant gate revenue at Montana. They draw really big crowds. If you can't do that, what's the point of even playing the full year and just taking on the additional cost if it could potentially jeopardize your success in the fall. So I thought that one was interesting. And again, yeah. you talk about like kind of the cynical look, that's how I viewed it. It's like, Hey, that's, Somewhat rational, but somewhat like, what the hell is the point of spending all of this money when we're in kind of a dire situation? Even if historically we're the we're one of the stronger programs in terms of support and a draw, you know, you don't have fans there. This is this is a weird, weird one to rationalize playing. Right, I, it's hard because I don't. Montana's a weird. They're, they're kind of a unique case because they're probably the most similar to JMU in terms of like like you were saying, like the gate and yeah. fan interest, right? I mean. um, but their playoff costs have got to be got to be astronomical. So much different than so many other programs, right? Because for years they were making runs to the semis and championships. I mean, going back to the mid nineties, mm-hmm. they've been making these runs, and by the time they get to the quarterfinals, I mean they're looking at two or three enormous road trips. You know where they're flying, you know, two planes worth of staff and stuff to play. I mean, when, even when we played, when JMU played them in Chattanooga, I mean, that was, they, you know, we drove, to, we loaded up the buses and rode down there, you know, like, or when they came to Harrisonburg. Yeah. When they that's came to Harrisonburg in the semis. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen this and, and to think they've been, yeah, that's gotta be a different story cost wise for them. I don't know. And it's actually been weird because the last couple of years, it feels like there's been enough Western teams competitive, you know, with Weber State and some Sacramento State. I mean, some of these teams that have sort of risen up, there's been enough teams to keep them, you know, kind of have a Western bracket, yeah. uh, which has actually been, you know, to the frustration of some Valley fans who have often not, you know, not gotten to play the JMUs of the world mm-hmm. till later in the playoffs because of that. But whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I. I just don't know how I feel about the playoffs. Like I'm very excited for football. I'm excited because I think Jamie will be good. And obviously that's, you know, I can count on Saturday afternoons having something fun to do and watch games. But like, I don't know what the heck the point is to to play into May. If we're going to turn around and try to have it in August. Like I, I think that's why I'm so disappointed in the CAA that they, the other schools weren't really committed and they voted against the conference championship. I think this could have been a fun year just to get weird and forget about playoffs and just try to build some sort of excitement around what is, I mean, let's, let's put it on the table, like kind of a crumbling league in in many ways. There's not a lot of fan interest. It's become very unbalanced. I thought it would have been neat to say, Hey, you know what? We're going to do a whatever six game round Robin and then a playoff or championship game. To me, I might've been more excited about that. And I know that's going to be, considered like blasphemy for a lot of fans like oh you know ca's crap and i i don't know i i like seeing jamie win but i don't get that jazzed about beating monmouth in round one i'll go i have fun right but i think i i in an off year like this i could have gotten pretty pumped up for the idea of a caa championship i think yeah I, i'm so torn i 
I, I, I just don't know how to think about this, Rob. I, we always approach everything from the fans' perspective, yeah. and because that's really important to us, and it, it it's what we do, right? I mean, it's the way we look at things, and I think that's a good thing. But I just don't know, right? And I feel like I have friends with children playing college athletics now and stuff, and it's they're the only ones whose perspective I'm I would like to hear, and I don't know what those kids. I don't, I don't know what that perspective is. You know, I, I just, I got to imagine they want to compete and they're like, I, particularly if you go to school like Jamie, you go to school yeah, like you to win a championship. Hard. I mean, I don't know. What the- you feel like you're poised. Like you kind of feel like you had an opportunity stolen from mm-hmm. you. I get that. And I absolutely empathize with that. Mm-hmm. But let's say they make a deep run and don't win and somebody gets hurt. I mean, I, I can go through yeah. the million doomsday scenarios where it's like, eh, are we better off just, priming the pump and getting ready for a, a legit run in a regular season next fall. I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's just something about the idea of trying to cram in two, two full seasons yeah. know, between February and December strikes me as, as a bit taxing on the student athletes. So I know they're going <laughs> yeah. to, yeah, they they're not up. full seasons, right? JMU is playing yeah. a six, uh, an eight game, but it's really six game. I, I don't know. Yeah, it just, I don't know what to say either. And listening to Brian and Sam talk on the here sports one, it, it made me think like there's only a few teams that are really concerned about that. Yeah. Right. It's only JMU and North Dakota state and a few others that are really concerned about the possibility of 19 or 20 games in the calendar year. Right. Most teams aren't going to have to worry about that. They'll play their know, six games in the just, spring. What's that, that brings me back to like, is it, even worth it again like that i know i see what you're saying but it's like you know what there's only six or seven teams that really are going for it yeah it's kind of like then what the hell is the point of that then maybe you have an off season where it's like uh, again where you have forget the conferences altogether forget what i said earlier Mm -hmm. but let's just start scheduling hey jmu weber state you know jacksonville state north dakota state you you guys all play each other and it's just going to be some sort right. of spring fling. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like, I, I totally yeah, no. see what you're saying, where it's like, okay, there's only a couple of teams that this applies to, but right. then you go back to, then what the hell is the point of a 2014 playoff in the fall anyway? Because it's going to be the same thing, you know? Um, and yeah, um, like right? you said, we started this discussion on the Patriot League, Rob. Mm-hmm. And we often make a lot of comments about the Patriot League, but at the risk of being too um, earnest, I actually do think the Patriot League walks the walk a little more in terms of like this is supposed to be an enriching experience for our student athletes right the idea of participating in college sports is supposed to mean something it's a well-rounded experience other than just like competitive at all costs right yes and at some point if you're a student right now at whatever lafayette and you're a football player and you're a senior do you want to play? Like maybe you just want to play, right? I mean, I, I don't know, right? I just that's a it's like that's that's not the worst decision either, you know? I, I just I don't know what the no, I mean, I don't, I don't think they're either. making the decision under pressure from the FCS end up, you know, I don't think they're making the decision to play under some pressure like you need to play so you go to the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, maybe their coaches feel that way in recruiting a little bit and stuff like that, but I don't know. Yeah. No, I think I think you're absolutely right in that it, it's there's different value propositions for all these different schools as well as for the different leagues, and I think the Ivy League probably considers itself to have a more kind of enlightened Ivy League esque approach where it's all about you know the total life experience and yes you play football because it challenges you to be a better man and blah 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 and, and there's a lot of truth to that I think there's and there's validity in that yeah but it's not just about you know, you're not separating your life as an athlete and a student as much as you are at other schools. Uh, certainly not as much as you do in the P5. But yeah, it is kind of the holistic experience. And there is that that notion that you don't want to rob. If somebody came to Lehigh or went to Holy Cross to be a football player, student athlete, mm-hmm. you're doing them a disservice by taking half of that away from because it's every bit as valid as the classroom experience. Like, Correct. I, I get that. Um mm-hmm. But I guess I'm just uh, – I still feel like this is such a bizarre year. Why are we trying to make it like every other year? Like, And I know you just mentioned like, oh, it's only six games. But just this 
playoffs at all costs thing is really odd to me. I don't know what to think about it. I'm excited. Obviously, I want Jamie to make a run. Obviously, I will be as as over the top excited if Jamie wins a championship in the spring as I would have if they won. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, this month. But it just seems weirdly like I don't know what the answer is because nobody is telling us what FCS is about. With 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 the FBS, it's absolutely money. Nobody's even trying to hide it anymore. Like it is very clear what is FBS football about. What why do they play that championship game? It is money. You might not agree with it, but it is right. out there on the table. Yes. If you don't think that it's about money, you're kidding yourself or you're just dumb. FCS, I don't know what it's about. I, well, I think that's I, that's what I'm struggling. Like this is really yeah. coming, it's like pointing out the identity crisis. I keep um, thinking about our individual players, though, and this is the identity crisis of FCS. Is you've got teams. I, I mean, to me, if I'm JMU, I look at it, at it as I try to compete in recruiting against the G5 teams in my state in my region. Yes, and if we're not serious about this, to the point where we don't play a season, whether it's in the fall or the spring, like that just makes my like that just betray you know that starts to give the impression that we're not as serious as those G5 teams. And I actually don't think that's true for JMU or NDSU. It doesn't mean that, I mean, we can debate the, whether it should be true or not. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I do think JMU as an athletic department and as a football program is just as committed as Liberty or Old Dominion or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, ODU didn't play. Right, ODU didn't play, right. I mean, I, that's what's hard, right? It, it, whereas other schools and FCS really are looking at it from a like almost a D2, D3, like this is an additional thing that some students can do for our school or can, you know, increase the places we draw students to this school from, or, you know, I mean, it's just such a varied agenda versus the FBS where the agenda is at all the schools. The bottom line is money, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah that makes it tough. I, I don't know what I, I just, I have no idea. I keep thinking about guys like, like Liam, I think about Liam Fornadel. You know, I don't know whether this is good or bad, right? Yeah. If he gets hurt, it's terrible. But if he goes out there and mauls people for five weeks, five, six weeks, even if they don't, you know, make it to the end of the season for COVID or for playoff, whatever, um, you know, maybe that's good leading into the draft. I don't know, right? Uh, you know, some of our, and, and I think I feel bad for other guys, right? Your fifth year senior who thought they were coming back for one more year. And now they've, you know, stayed. And now it's like a whole year. Right? I, I don't know. You know, they thought they were going to stick around, take some classes in the fall, and then that'd be it. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I mean, I just, there's nothing. The draft is what, in April. Week in April, April yeah. 29th. Oh, yeah. No. Are, do you, are you going to play if you get drafted you in get the drafted third round? In, no. I mean, I'm, I'm not. Mm-hmm. That's certainly a concern for and will be one of the more interesting things to watch uh, this season you know, how to, how that plays out. I don't know. <sighs> Anyways, we'll, we'll get into the detailed breakdown of the roster and JMU's chances be, sometime a, in the next five weeks to figure out. And, and it is. I'm all and conflicted. at some point we have more depth than the other teams. So like <laughs> that ice called it a six game season. It's really an eight game season, but the two out of conference are like, JMU is going to empty the bench in the second quarter. Yeah. Games. So who knows? Um, and our team's going to wave the white flag like they are. Or, uh, that's what I mean. If you're the one draftee, potential draftee on a two and four Richmond team, you're much more likely to sit out the last two games of the year than a guy on a six and O JMU team whose team is wanting him to play in the playoffs. Like I, yeah, there's going to be all kinds of weird. Well, incentive. there's also the like, is there some sort of gentleman's agreement or contractual agreement or something where like if you're in you're in or is somebody going to pull like let's just say it, like a uva women's hoops we start off zero and five and go oh we covid's too bad <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we've uh, seen that it okay maybe maybe that's legitimate and god bless these programs that are saying you know what given what's going on we don't feel safe but the psychological well-being or, or the the actual health of our players we realize that we bit off more than we can chew Mm-hmm. Is that what happened, or are they just going, "Wow, this isn't worth it at all to put anybody at risk"? If we clearly do not have a competitive team, 
Yeah. Is, is that going to happen in the FCS? I don't know. And and would you even judge anybody for that? You know, if you're getting your doors blown off and let's yeah. say the numbers are not improving and your players aren't vaccinated, what point are you going, what the hell? I mean, it's, it's all about, you know, competing and everything, but it's a pandemic. So I, yeah. there's just yeah. a lot going on. And I don't know, like I'm, I'm excited as a fan. I'm happy for the players because I'm assuming, like you said, we don't have their perspective, but I'm assuming they all want to play. Um, yeah, that may change if you're getting your teeth kicked in yeah. for five weeks. That may change. But I think for the most part, players probably want to play. And they've been sitting out a long time at this point. So, yeah. My, my gut is we're going we're gonna to get into maybe March, and it's going to be obvious. There's about seven or eight teams yeah. that are really going for it. And they're relying on everybody else playing out the string. And what I'm saying is like, can we just cut to the chase? Yeah, I know. Me too. I know. You know I, I, like, for me, this season is ultimately the only reason I want this season to occur is for JMU to get another shot at NDSU. Yeah. Really? That's, I, I'm just, sorry. That's, that's really what I mean. <laughs> and I think that's what a lot of fans think. Um, yeah. So I don't, it's just, it's, it's going to be interesting. And there's like this, I don't want to say moral or ethical dilemma, but a little bit of a moral or ethical quandary of like, mm-hmm. am I putting my own fandom and excitement over and above the well-being of right. amateur well, we athletes? We saw it at FBS this year, right? You you yeah. have some team, you know, you get Boston College, you had a fairly successful year, and the kids cheered when they decided not to go to the bowl game, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then you, on the other end of it, you got Mississippi State who won like two games and went. And went to a bowl game. Well, that Boston College one is kind of what I'm talking about. Because I think in the beginning of the season, again, my assumption is that Boston College's roster was every bit as enthusiastic and let's go play as Ohio State. Yeah, anybody or Ohio, who wants to Clemson. But then you get into the season and it wasn't just Boston College that was cheering. It was a lot of teams. And I, I think it's very easy to say you want to do something that you've done your entire life and it's a game, but then you get into it and you're getting tested a couple times a day and you've got teammates who are getting this virus and then you're isolating. I think it's, I think it was much more taxing on the student athletes than any of us realized. And that seems yeah. incredibly stupid to say that it's like such an obvious thing, but my impression is that other than the ones that were in the running for the national championship, most of the players were just over it. And I don't think they regretted playing, but I think it absolutely took its toll. Yeah. emotionally, mentally, whatever. And so, again, because we're going to have seven or eight teams max really going for it, you're kind of depending on these teams that – on players playing playing out the string just so the, the top teams can justify playing for a championship. So it's just – it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for me to watch. I'm excited, but it's going to be one of those things where I have a lot of conflict even as I'm, I'm cheering for the game, cheering for the teams. Yeah. Well, we will work our way through those – conflicts um in the next 33 days and be ready to cheer soon enough so rob we want to talk about basketball a little bit um the big news was the men finally got the season started yes or the CAA season started and they did so with the resounding f- fairly solid victory a nine point win at home against Towson on saturday um matt lewis CAA player of the week um nine threes. They had, yeah nine threes i mean that yeah um they had beaten chawan uh, I don't know, D2, D3 team a couple weeks or in the weekend before. Not unexpected. Uh, but that was a good start for them. And Amadi continues to impress. And just a fun, I don't know, uh, not what we expected the way we were talking a few weeks before, right? No, Towson was pricked as, I think, the fourth place team. So they were supposed to be like a contender. Uh-huh. Um, they're a pretty good team. They, they're, mm-hmm. they had one of their best players ever kind of transferred out, came back in. So they had high hopes. Um, granted, Jamie was at home, but it's not like a typical home game. Jamie had been dealing with, you know, the long layoff and the delay. So it's very encouraging. Now it's one game, mm-hmm. but there's a lot to like about that. Um, I, for such a young team to see them hold a lead was pretty exciting. You know, it, it hovered right in that like eight to 12 point range for most yep. of the second half. Um, we didn't have, Which they had a history of giving up so far this season. Yes. Yes, right. And seasons past, like based on my history as a JMU fan, I think Mm -hmm. they were up 12 with two and a half minutes to go. And I was like, well, this is absolutely not over. I mean, that's been JMU. (laughs) So it's just neat to see guys like Strickland have the ball in the hands. Um, Uh 
your second half against the press, you know, it, it's cool. Like freshmen don't seem to be shying away from the moment. You, you expect guys like Amadi to come in um, and kind of thrive on athleticism, but you're seeing these guys thrive on, on basketball IQ and kind of smarts and, and making the right decisions and not turning it over. And for young players to do that, it's especially encouraging. I, I think it. I don't want to get too excited, but I got yeah, too excited. Right. I, I think this is, this is not saying that Jamie's going to win the league, but we're saying, hey, you know what? This is a pretty well-coached team. This is a roster with some talent on it. Beto Morse, very, very good ball player. Obviously, Lewis. Um, I don't know. It, it, it was a good – it was worth the wait. That's the best way I can put it. It was just it was worth the wait. It was, and I'm hopeful that the longer this team keeps playing – I mean, one of the things was a lot of their waiting was not due to JMU – other teams to other teams so jmu was able i I assume to keep practicing together um and this team is a you know started the season as a real mishmash of guys from all over the place and i think the longer they get to play together and practice together you would think and hope that they will continue to improve as a group um you know it was not yeah so Anyways, they go to Northeastern next weekend to Boston, or at least they're scheduled to, for a two-game series Saturday and Sunday against the Huskies, uh, one of the better programs in the league. So that will be a big test for them. It will also be their first. They only played one game against Towson this weekend, so it will be their first of these series. Uh, The women (laughs) had the first experience, right, or – yeah, their, their first real experience um, with the back, series yeah. this week where you're we playing a same team back-to-back at the same location. And they split two games down at Elon. Uh, they won by 12 on Saturday, and at the same time on Sunday, they lost by 22. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. You and I were saying, like, I don't know what to make of it. I, I don't think you can read. It's uh, Coach O told us before the season this whole idea of playing a series was going to be a big adjustment for both players and coaches. Mm-hmm. I think he actually said this was his big concern was maybe his team goes and wins a game and feels good about themselves and comes back and, you know, isn't quite up for the second game of the back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with as young a team uh, as he has. I, I, you know, I don't know what to take away from it other than just that this team, again, they've got to find a way to uh, get more cohesive defensively. And, and these series things are going to be weird this year. <laughs> like we probably can't make too much out of any particular game this year in the regular season for the CAA uh, men's or women's no, when you're playing these to the same team two days in a row. Yeah. And I think uh, at the risk of sounding like I'm making excuses, JMU was picked to, to win the league, but it's still a very young team, very young team. So I don't think anybody thought that they were going to go, end-to-end this year and go undefeated and run the table in the CAA. Um, Mm -hmm. However, I didn't think they'd be losing like they did to to Elon. I mean, that was... was Particularly after winning on Saturday. Winning Saturday and then just not being competitive uh, on Sunday. Um, Yeah. Like you said, it's defense. It's You have games and your shots don't fall, and that's when you just got to get it done defense and rebounding. And they failed in that regard. So... No, I think think Coach O is back. You know, he was out with with COVID. Mm -hmm. Now he'll be back. I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, but you got to learn to deal with it. You can't make excuses and say, "Oh, it's you know the back to backs are difficult." Well, every team in the league needs to deal with them. Um, yeah. On the men's side, we've seen Northeastern has been terrific with it. Other teams have struggled, so it is not unusual to see teams do what what the women did over the weekend. But if you want to win the league and you want to go to the dance, you got to find a way to power through it. Yeah, the women will host Northeastern uh, Saturday and Sunday this weekend at one. So. A whole lot of noon to 3 p.m. JMU Northeastern basketball on Flow Sports, if you're so inclined, this coming weekend. Um, I mean, a whole lot of it. So, yeah, let's let's hope they can play. Uh, let's hope the men's team has a, a good trip up to Boston uh, for this round of games. I, that's about – I mean, I don't have much else, Rob, in terms of – I don't know if there's anything else that's jumped out at you from JMU Sports at all this week, but that's – that's where I am. No, that's about it. You know, I was very excited to see the men get started. A little disappointed in the women, but it's a long season, so yep. I, I'm confident they'll they'll right the ship and get them. All right. So we had a couple overtime topics. Thank you to everybody who suggested them, um, including Carol, who has kind of giving us a hard time about best food because we don't know what we're talking about yes. in terms of Harrisonburg food. Um, 
So we'll stay away from that one for for now. <laughs> Rob, what was the what was the one we decided to settle on tonight? Um, what was it? The the one travel destination, or was it post COVID trip or destination most looking forward to, yeah. or post COVID activity? Yeah, most looking forward to. Um, you want to go first on this? Oh, geez, I I don't really have any trips planned. We've got a couple yeah, of small weekend getaways, like you know road trip uh-huh. type things. We were scheduled to go out to Arizona to do the Grand Canyon and Sedona and a you know hmm. big drive around the state in March. Obviously, that did not happen. Um, I was very very much looking forward to that. I've never been really to the Southwest. I've never been to any of the huge national parks. You know, I've been like the ones aren't here, but I've never been the big ones out West. So I would really like to get that back on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And then we also are kind of having a very serious itch in my family to get back to Europe. Um, yeah. You know, we were, we took the boys to Portugal and Spain a couple of years ago and had a good time. And we're thinking maybe in a couple of years we'd, we'd do Italy. And I think we're going to accelerate that a bit. Um, the whole family's kind of suffering from a bit of cabin fever. Yeah. And, yeah. Sure. Um, Everybody. So it, Italy is definitely on the agenda, you know, I, I was there after college doing the backpacking thing with Barney and some folks. And then my wife and I did a trip uh, for Christmas and New Year's with another couple before we had kids. It was like, let's plan one big trip before we have children. And that was a blast. But we'd really like to take the boys there. I think that would be a lot of fun. So yeah. want to get it back out to Arizona and then want to get back over to Europe for a while. What about you? Those are, yeah, those are really good. Mine are, um, I, I guess I'll stick with the simpler ones. Um, there was a potential Europe trip on the horizon as well, but that, I didn't put that on my list. Um, the one that's been bugged us is I, I want to go skiing again yeah. out West. And it's weird because we both had opportunities um, to potentially go this year. And we, for, I mean, a whole bunch of reasons, but it just doesn't seem that fun. It's not the same trip. Like, not that it couldn't be done reasonably safely, depending on how you feel about flying and everything, but it's just not the same trip if you're not able to like go out after and if you're not getting go to a normal dinner. Or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or even just like to a nice dinner. You know, like it's not the same. Like for the kind of money that you're investing for a trip like that, it just doesn't feel like the. I mean, you're not kind of free to enjoy it in quite the same way. No. So and. Um, part of that for me too, is, um, we'd really love to go to Taos. You know, I have my good buddy in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, that's a weird, normally it would be like, I wouldn't go there and not spend time at his home, yeah. like on either end of the trip. But then that gets awkward and, you know, it's just like, yeah, it just doesn't seem like this year that's in the card. So that's definitely one. And then the other thing we had actually bought, uh, a couple years ago, I think we had said we had bought the NASCAR driving experience. Oh wow! I had gotten um, for Christmas for Susie like a uh, like that NASCAR driving thing. Yeah, like where you go, you know, track time, mm-hmm. um, and you can use it on any track, and it's good forever. And so that's been something we've been just like looking forward to doing. Uh, and now it just feels totally not it's the same exact thing I just said about skiing. It's like we were kind of thinking like, well, we'll go to we'll make it a Daytona trip, yeah, you know, and have fun with it, or we'll go to uh, Phoenix or something, you know, like we'll do something cool or maybe we'll even go to Charlotte and see my North Carolina people. But then that's not the same if you can't like do all the additional stuff, like fun stuff. So I I don't know. It just feels like, why are we going to push to do that now when the thing's good forever? Like, let's go do that when it's, when we can do it. When you can do it up and make it. Yeah. Cause with Charlotte, we felt like we could go to the hall of fame or with Daytona, you know, there are tons of stuff to do down there. So yeah, sooner or later we'll figure it out. But yeah, those are mine activities i'm definitely looking forward to i actually went down the rabbit hole last week and started researching hut to hut biking trips in colorado oh yes where in colorado yes um, they've got yes. one that's like a gravel grinder so the like leadville tell your ride to uh, moab like down mm-hmm. in san juan county mm-hmm. but then they've also got mountain bike ones and one of the mountain bike ones like because of the elevation you can't go yeah. crazy um but some of them you know it's like you, you've got your choice of like single track or fire access roads. And then it's mm-hmm. whatever, like 1500 feet of climbing in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got like a support crew that they drive ahead, not support crew, but the people that run these cabins yep. and they load them up with all your food and drinks <sighs> waiting for you. And then there's one 
if you choose the deluxe option, mm-hmm. you get a night in this like super fancy all-inclusive resort with like, you know, access to fly fishing. If you're, and it's not that much money. I want to say for like a three or four yeah. night trip, it's like 600 bucks uh-huh. for all your lodging and food. And I was like, man, that would be something fun because I'd love to plan a trip. You got to plan something, you know, you figure a year or two out. But if you had that to motivate you to like train or go on, you know, get on the bike and do things, it might be kind of like a fun trip slash goal where uh-huh. you get out of this. Oh, yeah. Somewhat healthy. So I was, there's a lot of those and those seem pretty fun. Um, yeah. I actually, I met this guy cause he's Bryce related, but the guy who runs the Tennessee pass cookhouse, mm-hmm. um, which is like the Leadville area. Yeah. Um, and they do like in the winter, they do cross country skiing, yurt trips. And then in the summer they do mountain biking. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of them will outfit you with like a high end bike there. So you don't even oh, worry everything. about buying your, your bike. Um, for sure. Know, even the ones that are just like the road trips and the gravel grinders, I think would be fun. Just the scenery of going mm-hmm. through southwestern Colorado. Oh, yeah. It would just be breathtaking. Yeah. So. I just got a gravel bike. Did you? <laughs> I did. And I'm I, going. I, I've been oh. looking into them for a while. I was looking at a Surly one that nice. I had my eyes on. Um, I got a Kona. Um, nice. I actually tried to go to SBC down in Harrisburg, but they couldn't get it till the summer. So I got it up here at a great place. And I will be I'm actually going to ride on Wednesday uh, when I have the day off. So, oh, nice. yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But let's see. We we also got a late breaking one from Paula, saying, oh. "What is this? Best cold day college memories?" Oh, I, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Well, your junior I, year was I, my I, freshman the, year when the we blizzard? had the blizzard. Yeah, right. That was a great time. Yes. Um, yeah, that was. Really fantastic. I did. I I think my friends and I actually jumped off the third floor balconies in Hunter's Ridge into a pile. <laughs> like, you know, it was like, I mean, we, that, I don't know how much that was, but it was like 18 inches or something, wasn't it? It was a lot of snow. I was at Snowshoe the week before it happened, the week we were due back at school. And we took off in Wade Hobbs's Bronco and made it back. And we were literally like driving, you know, five miles an hour, one of us on the side of the road. So we could like on the side of the car so we could see. And we got back early. Most people couldn't get back to campus for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, Blimpy ran out of bread. Yeah. How bad it was. I remember. Yeah. No. I remember the guys in speed built an igloo. That was like something from the discovery channel. Yes. Like, yeah. It was massive, but we built a sledding track. Um, with Ryan Dennis, Puddin' helped build it. Like a bobsled track on that yes. hill by Newman Lake. Um, what's yeah. the radio station where the broadcast Yeah, 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 over there. Yeah. Massive, massive sledding thing. That's <laughs> cool. I remember that, but I also remember a couple nights, and it's kind of like sepia tones in your memory, but oh, that walking up from parties where it starts, where like it starts to snow, and then all of a sudden a snowball fight breaks out at like one o'clock in the morning, everybody walking up from parties. I distinctly remember that a couple times, or people sledding. Um, on trays next to the combo after a basketball. Uh, yeah. I remember being stuck at uh, Melrose on the <laughs> Pat McGee night. Oh, yeah. With the snow. With the snow right. Yeah. Yes. I, um, I remember that too. I, I was younger than Rob. I, I was uh, on duty to a certain extent <laughs> for the late night cleanup stuff. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just remember being out there and wondering, like, is anyone going to come get us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Did anyone um, come get you? I don't remember. Somebody did. I don't remember. Yeah. It definitely like wasn't me. Said, I know that. Pretty fuzzy at this point. But yeah, somebody came and got got us. Yes. Um, yeah. I was, I, it's always hard because we, well, we were there. I mean, there was definitely snow every time. I mean, I'm sure it snowed a little bit every year we were there. But yeah, those are probably, I mean, ski, I, you know, we did a lot of Monday Night Madness at Massanutten. Yeah. Right? We did a lot of those $10 Ten dollar Monday night ski. Ten dollar lift. Ten dollar rentals. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty fun. Uh, you know, probably the worst conditions ever. But when you're 19, it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. So all of that. Yeah, I'm sure there's even more to do now. So one would hope. Yeah. yeah so yeah, they got some snow down there in the valley this weekend. A little dusting. So it was a good weekend down there. But yeah. Well, thank you, Paula. Thank you, everybody that submitted. We'll have more to come. Uh, soon and rob when we talk next week we will be inside a month to football season and hopefully we'll have a couple more basketball games under our belts yeah let's hope we will have a weekend of jmu northeastern basketball on both teams schedule behind us and yeah i guess we ought to really start thinking we we need to talk to evangelista or somebody and really start thinking about the roster (laughs) 
and what this spring is actually going to look like. I wonder which, you know, it will be, we will need some updates on who's back and who's not. Well, I just, I still, we need to know who's going to play quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's the easy one. Cause I think both of those, I'm confident that both of those young men will be, will, will be playing and competing on the practice field. <laughs> it's the other kids I want to know about. So yeah, we'll see. But thank you everybody, Rob. It's great to talk to you and uh, I will talk to you next week. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. All right. See ya. your time of talking to the people who don't listen to the things that you are saying who do you think's gonna hear and if you should die explaining how the things that they complain about are things they could be changing who do you think's gonna care there were other lonely singers in a world turned deaf and blind who were crucified for what they tried to show And their voices have been scattered by the swirling winds of time Cause the truth remains that no one wants to know Well, the old man was a stranger But I'd heard his song before Back when failure had me locked out on the wrong side of the door When no one stood behind me but my shadow on the floor Lonesome was more than a state of mind. You see, the devil haunts a hungry man. If you don't want to join him, you gotta beat him. I ain't saying I beat the devil, but I drank his beer for nothing. Then I stole his song. still can hear me singing to the people who don't listen to the things that I am saying, praying someone's gonna hear. And I guess I'll die explaining how the things that they complain about are things they could change, hoping someone's gonna care. I was born a lonely singer and I'm bound to die the same, but I've gotta feed the hunger in my soul. And if I never have a nickel, I won't ever die ashamed Cause I don't believe that no one wants to know